Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Video game season, it's key three doing the rounds. I'm Scott Tilford, you're Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Tilford. This is the wind-up where we will wind each other up more than usual. Now, the wind-up is usually a gathering up, a smattering of whatever the latest video games are, but like I said, it's video game season. Everyone keeps referring to it as E3. However, I saw a GameSpot hoodie saying key three. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Keighley loves that. <laughs> he loves that. Why is he not coined that? I mean, he might as well. He's going for the jugular, left, right, and center, but there's a ton of different uh, video games to talk about, whether it be from the Summer Games first, the Xbox and Bethesda stream, the Capcom stream. Even as we record this one day later, because I was off yesterday, there's another Xbox stream tonight, and then there's a Square Enix thing tomorrow, and there's a Final Fantasy 7 anniversary thing, which might be the same thing, but there's a lot of games. It is video game season, it my is. friend. And what I a season. I couldn't be happier, because you know we've, we've lamented the lack of releases <laughs> for the rest of 2022 for a long time on this podcast, and suddenly the video game industry was like, oh, you want games coming out for the rest of the year, do you? Into 2023, do you? Here they are. Let me tip this bucket up and watch everything fall out and then try and allocate it. There's, all, there's pretty much one big thing a month. Yes. Um, so there's a lot more stuff to look forward to for the rest of this year. There's also a lot of stuff coming um, at the start of 2023. Xbox's whole thing was that everything they talked about um, is coming within a 12-month window. So um, that takes you through to next summer. Um, but we'll do the festivals. The festivals? They are kind of festivals. Yeah. We'll do the showcases um, in order. So we'll start with Key 3 slash the Summer Games Fest. Um, and we can just talk about the stream overall. What hit you about the overall thing before we potentially dip in on specific games. How kind of boring it was, Scott Telford. <laughs> uh, if I'm being brutally honest, if I'm being brutally, brutally honest, this was a two-hour show, Ooh. and there were moments where I was just thinking, why am I watching this? You know, the big Dwayne Johnson kind of promo for Black rock, Adam. Yeah. Like, I love The Rock. I love Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. But when he's talking for like eight minutes, he, rambling about Black Adam during he has his video no, game show. He had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> no. Like, I mean, I, like I said, I love The Rock. Grew up with the man. Um, not in person. Wasn't at my school. But I did watch him <laughs> a lot. And um, I think he was just in the middle of a workout and someone went, hey, Mr. Johnson, you need to do this thing. They're live streaming to you right now. And he's like, oh, what? Sorry. And then yeah. he sort of hopped on a mic, um, a call. And I, that was the most rambling man. Like, I'm born a rambling man. He's the, he's the new rambling man. Um, 100%. Yeah, overall, um, it was funny because I remember you sent you, you messaged me because I was out that night. You messaged me saying it's a bit boring, it's a bit naff. And then I got home and I watched the archive stream and the opening of it had Midnight Fire Express on. Right. And I forget what their opening initial first trailer was. But I was like, this is brilliant. This is great. And then that opening page just did not hold up whatsoever. That's it, you know. There, there was certainly, like we're going to get into, there were a lot of games, if I look at it, that I yes. was interested in. It just kind of it lacked uh, the pace that I wanted and it lacked those big hitters for me that would have kind of accentuated it so it was mm. like it was fine like it wasn't like a complete disaster but like no. I said it was a it was a little bit boring like the highs weren't high enough to keep me like you know really sustained but mm -hmm. the, like I said there were still a lot of games and um, that were announced or re-announced or shown off again that uh, I'm looking forward to you know I'm sure we'll talk about uh, the Callisto Protocol <laughs> my boy I know that you loved like the extended uh, was it called like the Schofield Cup yeah, because uh, that, that trailer. Which, they're like which embracing awesome. the fact that, yeah, Glenn Schofield, creator of Dead Space, dude is all over the marketing for Cluster Protocol. Because I think because he's fully aware that EA are saying the Dead Space remake is coming. So he's trying to get out there as much as possible, saying, not without me, it's not. 
this is the new Dead Space. 100%, like, and he's talking about how, how deeper it is than Dead Space and stuff. And let me tell you, like, <laughs> I'm looking forward to this game, but it looks like Dead Space. It's a lot of Dead Space. Yeah, like, I think he's kind of trying to, um, like, carry across the fandom, let's say, um, by sort of, like, ticking the boxes, reminding you of Dead Space 1, but then kind of ele- um, elevating stuff as well. Um, the gory deaths that were in there look incredible. Like, some of the finishes, um, you know, when you sort of uh, take out different enemies' limbs or when you get taken out by a certain creature. Proper Mortal Kombat 11-style gore where they've clearly modeled an entire um, physiology of a human being and it's like, okay, this is bone and musculature and everything else. And some creature's just going to bite right through a skull yes. at weird angles that we've never seen before. Um, I love that stuff. Me too, man. Like the, just like the dedication to gross out <laughs> gore was, um, was amazing to see. I love that in the actual gameplay itself, although mm. it is very clearly aping Dead Space, it feels like it's doubling down on the telekinesis kind of part of the Dead Space combat, mm. which was always like low-key incredibly fun to be able to chain together, you know, throwing a necromorph's kind of spiky limb at it, then like going in for the stomp and then mm-hmm. going in for a shot. Like you could do things with that combat system that were way more complex than may have initially appeared. Mm. And hopefully uh, with them using or expanding on that power set in this mm. game, like you get to chain those combos a little bit better and I'm kind of hoping that they're front-loading all the footage of, you know, it's like Dead Space 101. So remember these powers, remember that. Even like we've got the the label of the next room you're about to go into is above the door. And it's like, this looks just looks like Dead Space. And right down to the sort of health bar being on the guy's suit and everything. Um, I just, I hope that the marketing is front-loading that because they're going to take it off in a direction that'll be like the, what Dead Space 3 should have been, let's say. Right. Um, or something like that. Um, because, yeah, Glenn Schofield didn't leave under very good terms. Like, you know, he's very much been, been very vocal about FEA and all that kind of stuff. And I hope that after this long, it's not just, hey, I've, I've done a Dead Space yeah. with better gore. Because he has been out there talking about um, most of development has been um, creating this sort of new gore system and making sure they nail that and then they want to go forward after that. So I just, I hope there's just more to it. I don't, I, I'm, I'm up for more Dead Space, Me but I, I hope that this dude has brought more to the table. But it, it's, it's going to be funny if they release that game in December and mm. say, hey, it's 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 more Dead Space, but with better gore. And then the Dead Space uh, remake comes out in January yes. and they say, hey, it's more Dead Space, but with better gore. <laughs> hey, which one are you going to buy? That's the thing. I think that the only, I maintain the only reason that EA greenlit a Dead Space remake is because of Callisto Protocol right? Uh, because they can just go like, oh no, we might as well cash in on this. There's going to be a lot of mention of Dead Space anyway, so we might as well get in on this. Um, oh, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, I'll yes. tell you what I'm um, kind of summed up, uh, Key 3 for me. Yes. Um, did you see the Aliens Dark Descent trailer? I did. Well, that started and I thought, this looks really good. This looks <laughs> like it could be something and then it showed like a brief three second snippet of gameplay and it was one of those you where died like, inside. oh, this is, you, you, you've had a trailer that kind of promises one thing and then you've shown the gameplay and it's like you know when mobile games i'm not gonna go i'm saying this is a mobile game yes but you know when you have like a really flashy trailer for like a mobile game and then you see the gameplay it's like these could not be more different (laughs) um it was i got that vibe where i was i was high i was like elated and then Mm -hmm. i was low it was like the aliens game release cycle compressed into a trailer normally for me when i see one of these games i'm like maybe it could be good maybe it could be good then it comes out and i'm like oh but this was all condensed into three minutes. Would you like another top-down squad-based, assumedly loot shooter, but something like that? I am all right. You're probably all right. I would have loved if that game was turn-based. Give me anything with a grid. I'll uh, give me a give me a grid-based alien game. Oh. Give me that. Give me. I mean, sort of getting in position as a xenomorph and then pounce on a dude. That would be good. It's yeah. funny that I thought about being the marines and you went to being the z- xenomorph. I'll be the maybe, xenomorph. Maybe we, it could be multiplayer and we could play against each other. This is already a better idea than what they <laughs> uh, showed off. But um, I was going to pivot into um, the Last of Us One remake more so because the discourse that came out of the um, the show overall was the idea of ending on a remake. Like, is that something that can be a showstopper. It did leak early, so um, some people like us already knew that was the case. Jeff Keighley even tweeted out an emoji of someone doing a shrug, being like, well, I guess my biggest thing is already out there. Um, but they did show off um, Last, of, Last of Us 1, uh, you know, remake gameplay footage and stuff like that. I couldn't tell the difference. I, I, <laughs> I, I just couldn't. I, after I watched it um, a bit more, I could, but opening on that shot of Ellie looking out the window was always one of the most graphically impressive shots of the original anyway. Absolutely. And so when they showed that, and when the, when the images leaked on Twitter beforehand, I was like, is this... I, I literally couldn't 
couldn't tell. And so it's only been watching more of it, and I've um, you know gone back and I watched the, the trailers on the PlayStation Store and everything now. So I've watched a lot more of it, and sure, it looks fine. I yeah. think I way prefer older Ellie and old Joel though. I'm not a big fan of the Last of Us Two character models in Last of Us One. Interesting. Personally, I, I mean, it's, yeah, it's all it's, like it's it's funny with this remix. It's all going to come down to a certain level of just personal preference. Yeah, it's like, like hairs, yeah, you know what I mean. Like we've been with these characters, these character models for so many years now, mm. and then suddenly for them to change, everyone's of course is going to be like, oh, you couldn't, you know, just kept it the same, you know, rightfully or, or, yeah. or, 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 or wrongly, wrongfully, yeah. wrongfully is the word. Yes. Um, for me, I think it is funny that you mentioned, you know, the, the shot that they opened on with Ellie in the car. Mm. Like that scene in the original game is always the one where I go, like, this is incredible. Like, yeah. This looks amazing. So I need to kind of reconcile that with the fact that Presumably, then it was a pre-rendered cutscene, and now mm. it's all in-engine, mm. which is quite impressive in itself. That now we have the in-engine character models that match, you know, this really high-fidelity cutscene mm. from uh, a game eight years ago, or whatever. But yeah, it's just uh, I, it worked for me because it wasn't just the remake, because it was you know Neil Druckmann talking about mm. factions, talking about the TV show. It was a big Last of Us loving. If it was just the remake's trailer, I would have probably been with you and been like, "This is a little bit disappointing." But yeah, because it was like here's the future of the Last of Us and all of its forms. I was I was more on board. It's it's. I think I did. I say this on some of the podcasts we did. I so do not care about the franchising of the Last of Us. Right. I think I said this on the UBP. I wish. I just don't, I just don't need it. Like, <laughs> it was an immaculate one-off. Like, I didn't need two. I thought it was immaculately well-made, but when I hit the credits on part two, I was like, I didn't need that. It worked. I was in bits. I was like, oh, this all landed emotionally, and the characters are phenomenal, and whatever. Laura, give all the awards to Laura Bailey and Ashley Johnson. But at the same time, I just don't need it. I just mm -hmm. don't need it at all. And so I kind of just look at this, and I'm just like, this was one great story with some great characters, and you're pulling all these threads to flesh it out. Like, the single-player story stuff that's going to be in there, the factions multiplayer game, whatever the hell that thing turns into, it's like a hybrid thing. I don't care. I, like, I'm curious because yeah. it's Naughty Dog, but I just, I don't know. I have this thing with Naughty Dog where I, I don't feel like they've lost their way, but I just, like, I didn't need you putting this much money into the Last of Us 1 remake. Like you said, it's only nine years old anyway, um, and it still plays immaculately. We've already had the remaster, yeah. so I'm like, I don't need you to do GTA 5 The Last of Us, like, where it's, oh, here it is again, guys. Like, I just don't, I don't know. I kind of just feel, I look at it and I feel nothing. Ah, that's, that's, that's that hurts me a little bit. I just want to put their money into new stuff. I, I, I get yeah. that 100%. You know, I am kind of similar to you, but mm. we kind of branch off until dawn style down <laughs> to different <laughs> emotions style. with this stuff, the quarry style. Uh, because I'm kind of similar. When The Last of Us 2 was announced, I was kind of thinking, oh, do we need mm. this? I was like, do we need a Last of Us multiplayer suite? But every single time I've played whatever mm. they have produced, like, I've been won over. You know, I, I loved factions. I loved the first game. I loved the second game. So I'm like, yeah, my brain might say you don't need this, but when it comes, <laughs> I probably will enjoy it. Like, I'm all. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to them expanding what Factions was. I thought that was incredibly underrated and a great time. Same. Like, I'm looking forward to the TV show. I like that Neil Druckmann is so heavily involved in directing an episode. Like, that's really neat. I like that uh, Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker announced that they were in the show yeah. as more than cameos. So I do kind of get exactly what you're saying, that they, I would like them to make something new. Mm -hmm. But also, if they're going to franchise The Last of Us, I just, I'm pleased that they seemingly are doing it um, well. It yeah, was, it's definitely got like care and attention yeah. put in. I just think that I, I just struggle to care about something that felt so isolated. Like for the longest right. time, Last of Us 1 was held up as this game does not need a sequel. Yeah. Or this game does not need more stuff. And so yeah, I'll, I'm curious what these things are when they come out. I just don't have that inbuilt I don't care. I don't have that excitement for it. I'm just curious. I hope they haven't messed it up. I'm curious what changes they make, etc. Um, in regards to um, Neil Druckmann, though, yeah. yeah, he mentions that his new game is like in progress or whatever. They don't, I don't think they give it a name or anything, but it's just um, we always knew that uh, behind the scenes at Naughty Dog, half of the team went off to remake The Last of Us 1, half of the team stayed with Druckmann to design whatever their next thing is. That's what I'm more interested in. Because um, for the longest time, it was rumored to be a big old sci-fi thing. Um, potentially teased in it's Savage Starlight as the comic that Ellie reads in Last of Us, and that was potentially yeah. some working title at some point um, for something they were going to work on. That's what I care about. I care about the future of Naughty Dog, because for me, like, you know, we grew up with them doing a franchise per generation, and then they broke that last gen. They did Uncharted 4, and then they did Last of Us 2. And so, like I said, it's not that they've lost their way, but I loved their ethos, how they used to have it. It was like, we, have, we do one big thing per console generation, and we purposefully move on. And now we're purposefully not moving on. We're yeah. purposefully staying still and doing more of this. And I'm like, cool, you'll do it really well. But you guys are so talented. I'd love to see what you have next. No, it's true. And I, I again, like in, in part, I do fully agree. Mm. I want to see what 
IP that they come up with next. I want to see what Neil Druckmann's next project yeah. uh, will look like. I guess they're just kind of in this weird, almost transitionary period mm. where even The Last of Us Part 1 remake like wasn't initially their idea or anything. No, if true. that uh, Jason Schreier report on Bloomberg is to be believed from last year, which kind of broke the fact that it was real in the first place. Mm. Like Apparently it was started at a different um, company, then it was moved to Naughty Dog, which uh, popped me when Neil was out there like, oh yeah, we really wanted to make this game. Like, <laughs> like we really wanted to do it. It's like, you didn't even like, you? you were just like handed this. Yeah. That's kind of maybe why I cut it some slack knowing that, knowing that Naughty Dog kind of just handed this project. Mm. And it's almost, it's not something to do because I know that there's probably a lot of passion put into it, but like it's, it's a way for some of the developers who might not be actively working on an IP that is mm. only maybe in pre-production to kind of, you know, spend their time creating something as a kind of stopgap release. Almost. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of the the way that, because I was talking to Jules about this, what do you think of the way they're potentially recontextualizing Last of Us 1 in the light of Last of Us 2? Like the way that they cut the trailer for this was way more Ellie focused than Joel. And obviously if you know the way that part two goes, then that's like way more Ellie focused. And anyway, so I quite like the idea of when we look back maybe after a part three, like Druckmann um, and Holly Cross, the writer for Last of Us 2, said they already did have an idea of what Last of Us Part 3 could be. So I quite like the idea of it being an Ellie trilogy. Yeah. But at the same time, it's interesting recontextualizing your, you're making it a Part 1 now, fundamentally. Um, and then having um, Ellie's a way bigger part of the box art and like she's way more in the gameplay trailer. Joel's quite minimized in that respect. Like, what do you think of that stuff? Like the idea of like making it a more solid overall arcing story rather than the one-off that it used to feel like? Um, For me, it works just kind of like, I was reading up on like the history of the franchise and stuff and mm. like just reading about them, you know, fighting to get Ellie on the box art of yeah. the first game at all and stuff like that. Like, you know, there was apparently some outlets that would like cut her out and just show Joel <laughs> because that that's what that's what sells. Yeah, they thought it would just be like a guy. That's what's going to sell. So I, I like that. You know, their intentions. I think always were to forefront Ellie as the main character. Eventually, like mm. even The Last of Us one game, like she, it starts with Joel and then it becomes Ellie's story. Like yeah. there's a reason, like part there's, there's there's a reason part one ends with you controlling Ellie and not Joel. Yeah. You know, like the the torch has been kind of like handed over to this new character, and then it's like, oh god, she was the main character the whole time. And I like that this kind of like new trailer, this new box art is just kind of like confirming that in a way as if yeah. it ever needed confirming. Like for me, it's it's not even necessarily recontextualizing that much. Mm. It's just kind of doubling down on what they tried to do originally mm -hmm. and maybe got a little bit of pushback. For. Well, Druckmann said there was a, there's a great talk. I forget where he did this talk. But you'll be able to find it if you just search just, you know, YouTube, Neil Druckmann, Last of Us um, talk or whatever, where he talks about the final scene in Last of Us 1 being that sort of um, the cut to black. And it was like, oh, do you know, does Ellie know the truth or not? And he was like, it wasn't about that. It was about the fact that she had the power in that exchange. It's the yeah. one time that she finally has more power over Joel because he's kind of answering to her um, and we know that she knows the truth like there's always that back and forth of whether she does or not but the assumption is that she does um, and anything in that direction makes gives her the power in that exchange and that was the point of that scene and so they, those things are interesting also with the, the history that you just mentioned there that also makes them making her huge on the box art brilliant yeah um, I kind of love that as an eventual win um, overall um, but yeah Last of Us stuff um, the, the whole bunch of stuff coming out um, like you said the multiplayer and the HBO show and everything else and um, we mentioned Callisto before um, Street Fighter Six, I think, looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, the, one of the most strongest showings for a Street Fighter game in a long time. Like, reminds right. me of when Street Fighter Four first launched. Uh, sorry, first got shown off, and it was like the really cool inky art style. Five, obviously, an absolute abomination, and then six looks gorgeous. Um, I don't know if you're a Street Fighter fan or if you want to talk about Modern Warfare Two. Um, Street Fighter is too hard for me. My, <laughs> my my baby fingers cannot keep up with the right. combos that I need to be they, good at that franchise. They've overhauled the controls for this one. Uh, there's a two control options. It's either classic, um, like the old days with the three different punches, three different kicks or um it's they've if you look at them the modern control scheme on the controller map it seems like you just hold a button and then they do an auto combo right but they've made it to look like square is punch x is kick circles heavy kick or whatever or grapple or something and then the shoulder buttons are kind of your auto combos so they're, they're trying to get people on board okay. um maybe like yourself because i'm not a massive street fighter guy street fighter 2 yes and yes. Then that was like street fighter 4 i came back on but yeah like i think they're trying to sort of be like we are street fighter we should be up there with modern tekken yes. we should be this huge franchise um, 
um, and Mortal Kombat's turning heads. Why is Street Fighter not up there? And obviously they bundled up, uh, bungled up, uh, Street Fighter Five. So hopefully they turn this around. I think it looks unbelievable. The animation looks just incredible. So fluid, like yeah. so spectacular in terms of how those combat com- combat how those combos chain, like mm. the way it looks. Um, it's a new engine, isn't it? Is it the RE engine? It's the, I think it's the RE engine. It's right. some new engine, yeah, because they okay. have to remake a lot of stuff in it. And it's like set way later in the canon now as well. So you've got Beardy Ryu and everyone's say, yeah. older and whatever else. So but yeah, weird. that game looks gorgeous. Uh, Modern Warfare 2 um, had a bit of gameplay. Again, it was like kind of leaked beforehand. The trailer was kind of out there. Where you come down on Modern Warfare 2? Um, I think <laughs> I mentioned it the last time we talked about it and my take has only solidified since. Mm. If this wasn't called Modern Warfare 2, I'd be like... That's a cool 360 game, brother. That's a cool 360 (laughs) game. The name is doing a lot of heavy lifting. The Mm. belief I have in Infinity Ward after Modern Warfare 2019 is doing a lot of heavy lifting. Mm. But what I saw, I was just kind of like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's another yeah. I think I tweeted out, you know, like the head of Call of Duty was like, this year we've got oil rigs, we've got uh, (laughs) we've got warehouses, we've got like (laughs) these ships to look forward to. And I'm like, that's not what I look forward to in any game. <laughs> I don't look forward to being on an oil rig. This great oil rig. It's a really rig. shiny oil rig, Josh. It certainly was. I don't know. I thought, yeah, I mean, I love 2019's Modern Warfare. I think that's the best Call of Duty they've made. Yes. Uh, like, I say they. It's just such a huge amount of studios. But I love that game. And then, yeah, with the trailer for this, I was just like, oh, yeah, okay. In, sure. Like, Modern Warfare 2019, obviously, with it being like a, a reboot and a remake of that sub-franchise, mm. you know, lent heavily in some areas on the previous games in the franchise, but it also did, like, new things, whereas mm. the trailer for this was very much like, hey, you remember this level from Modern Warfare 1? Hey, you remember when you kind of <laughs> did this in Modern Warfare 2? Like, you know, you had uh, wet work, like, the... the the one that's on like the tanker mm. ship, and it's kind of like you you would do, you were taking this franchise in another direction, and and now you're now just actively repeating set pieces right. from the previous games, and that's fine. Mm. But I, it's like bankable, it's safe, yeah. it's boring. It like is. like you can do that in the multiplayer for sure. Yeah. Like the first Modern Warfare, you know, brought in and um, remastered and remade maps from Modern Warfare 1 and Modern Warfare 2, mm-hmm. but uh, it also had its own maps. It also had its own unique kind of identity in a lot of regards. Um, and I hope this isn't just like a, a straight up remake of a game. Yeah, well, they already did that. I remember when they sort of like weirdly advertised the Modern Warfare 2 remake and it was it was kind of just a remaster, but mm. the way that that thing was tagged on to um, like 2019's Modern Warfare, like snapped that thing up thinking they will, they'll have done more work to it, but it was just the original Modern Warfare 2. So that is all also available on modern hardware. So yeah, that was the vast majority of the biggest things from Key 3, the SGF, the Summer Games Fest. And um, let's talk about Xbox uh, slash Bethesda. Um, let's just dive in. <laughs> Starfield. Starfield. No my man's rim. It certainly Sky is. Rim. It certainly is. I cannot believe how much they are ripping yeah. from No Man's Sky. However, mm. where we may differ is. I'm all right with that. I tell you what's weird. Um, I have been covering the fact that Starfield exists since I think 2014. Wow. Um, I need to go back and look at my old author notes on the website on What Culture because we covered this it, again. It's like a decade ago when it very first leaked that Bethesda's new IP was called Starfield. I just remember writing that up, and there was one image that did the rounds back then. Um, and so when it eventually got confirmed, I think two years ago or whatever, when they finally said it was working, I was like, Oh my god, it's real! Oh my god, it's that name that did the rounds like X many years ago. Um, and now it's coming together. So I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they had these ideas in flux anyway. Um, you know, and, and they predate No Man's Sky because obviously No Man's Sky launched in a weird sort of threadbare state. It was just sort of like space photography, the game and mining and stuff. And then they've gone on to have base building and space dogfighting or more, more better uh, space dogfighting. Um, and the way that the Wayfinder works and whatever, all the cartography stuff. And that's what this has, where it's like you're this space explorer and you have all these different tools and uh, all these different conversations you can have with people and everything else. And so now they're comparable. But if you think about the development cycles, if Bethesda always planned this, it drastically predates No Man's Sky. Yeah. So like, it's a weird thing. But at the same time, I mean, IGN put a, a comparison out side by side. It is the same game right now. Um, and it's just, I just, it was just funny because I was just like, you're zooming in and scanning a life form, then you're mining some rocks off the side of a thing and then you're going to go and like stick a waypoint in the ground and scan for another base. I'm like, I've done this. I've done a lot of this. You certainly have, Scott. And I I totally get 
you wanting something more mm. unique. But for me, if you take what No Man's Sky did well in terms of the space exploration and mm. what have you, and slap that onto like a Bethesda-style RPG where you have factions and you have these kind mm. of like complex quests and you have like these bases to go to, hubs of civilization, to me, I'm kind of like, yeah, it might be a little bit derivative, but that's a decent match, my friend. I hope so. I just, I think it's weird because like when they showed the first-person conversation stuff, I thought that looked ropey as hell. Like <laughs> I thought... Is- that's, I was surprised he thought it looked good. This like, is a classic of Scott message me being like, those faces look dog. And I was like, <laughs> I thought they looked quite nice. I actually thought they looked all right. Like, yeah, it looks very Bethesda, you know, 100%. But I thought, like, I thought they looked like a step up. Oh, what? dude, I was like, I mean, we the actual, like, face texture, the render yeah. model, sure, but, like, the actual, like, lip sync was way off. Right. Like, it just looked really robotic. It looked old. It looked like old Bethesda. Right. And I was kind of like, it was always going to be proof in the pudding with Starfield of how much have they improved because Fallout 4 was, like, the last time you could have done this as an approach to a game design. And they, uh, they have overhauled a lot of stuff. Um, most of Starfield looks like it moves a lot smoother than um, Fallout 4 ever did. But then you <laughs> get to those um, conversations and it's just, like, the same thing. Like, big zoom to the face, lips that aren't matching the speech whatsoever. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's still a Bethesda game. It's still, <laughs> they're still doing this thing on the same engine as Fallout 4. And so that was kind of my thing um, with that. But, yeah, I, I just have to hope that the Bethesda magic is in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, because that's kind of the only, for me, that's the only real thing it has. Um, because No Man's Sky does everything else so well. Like, yes. And when you come down on the planet stuff, because when <laughs> they started talking about planets, and they were like, oh, here's this one solar system. It's all um, handcrafted or whatever. And I was like, cool, you've done like six handcrafted planets. That's enough, Todd. That's great. And then they zoom out and literally did a No Man's Sky. We've got a thousand planets that yes. are all, and they're not going to be handcrafted. No. They're going to be procedurally generated. It's, I mean, that was that was a red flag for me. 100%. And watching like that extended gameplay reveal, I was thinking there is so much here that I think has promise. Mm. And there is so much here that I'm scared about in yeah. the planet thing was um, kind of a big yikes moment because you know bigger <laughs> can sometimes be better. But when it comes to Bethesda's worlds, what I love is how handcrafted they felt. I, yeah. I think even if you don't really like Fallout 4, what it did really well coming off Skyrim, coming off Fallout 3, was kind of like the diversity and the density in the environment itself. Like that was, in my opinion, Bethesda's kind of like strongest open world visually in terms mm. of what you had to do and whatnot. So to kind of... It, go away from that and now have 1,000 planets, like you said, that you can fully explore. Mm -hmm. Like, that could be cool in theory. It just depends how sparse those planets are. So if they manage to nail it, I will be like, this is incredible. Mm. But just knowing the realities of, like, video game AAA development, I'm like, how can you make a 1,000 areas satisfying to explore there has to be a lot of duds in there and hopefully and and is that worth the trade-off of not getting a kind of really dense really detailed smaller open world now's the time to save 30 percent on wedding jewelry only on bluenile.com make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands all hand finished and graded for excellence Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. There's a potential that it's like Mass Effect 1's planets where I still, I love the the spacefaring nature of Mass Effect 1. Like, I think it's why it's my favorite in the trilogy and it fluctuates whichever one I'm playing, but I like that idea you can go planet to planet and it feels like you are exploring a galaxy. I think that feels great. Um, there's also that thing though of, um, you know, like the magic of a, of a huge game. Like No Man's Sky felt genuinely like magic, where yeah. it was like, oh my God, how have they done this? Procedurally generated uh, animals, and even the music was sort of picking from different pockets, different banks of sounds. I remember one of their sound designers being, oh, if, it's a, if the game has generated a large creature, then the, it'll, it'll detune the music, so it's like a bassier growl or whatever. I was like, that's incredible. And I remember getting the game and getting the, um, the special edition, which came with an art book, and in the art book, it was like, okay, here are the five skeletons that the game pulls from when it's generating an animal. And I was like, oh, this you've broken it because <laughs> now it's not infinite. Now it's five things yeah. and everything is built on this. And I can, I can only see those skeletons now. Yes. And so right now they're in an interesting place where we don't know how they've made a thousand planets. Have they procedurally generated them? Have they like, you know, or have they gone in and handcrafted some stuff? Have they, have they thought of some way of, of making this work? Yeah. And um, because I don't know if you remember, but you will remember, but like Mass Effect Andromeda was going to do the same thing. And um, before that game got chopped and changed down to like six planets or whatever it was, they were going to try and procedurally generate a ton of different planets. Yeah. And then they um, they moved away from that because that game's development was all over the place. But I feel like a lot of people have tried this. And I wonder if you're Bethesda, maybe you've thought of some way of doing this. Because No Man's Sky now can do it immaculately. Like that totally. game's planet generation is incredible, but it took a long time to get there. And so I'm very curious. Like we're in that weird space where it's magic and incredible and potential. Yeah. Um, but my gut says that they won't nail it. My gut says that they probably won't nail it. But <laughs> my optimistic side says that they have had the time. Like, they've taken yeah, oh way God, more yeah. time with this than they ever did any other game that they made. And yet, part of that is because it's a new IP. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they've had seven years at least since um, Fallout 4 shipped mm-hmm. to get this right and hopefully that's enough time to uh, you know build out these plants because you know it's not like they're building everything else from scratch for a new IP like even the shotgun reload animation looked like the one from Fallout 4 right. like they're obviously reusing a lot of assets which is fine mm-hmm. if, it, if it allows them to kind of uh, make their ambitions a reality and again I just kind of need to see more it makes sense mm-hmm. why this game isn't ready to ship at the end of this year like it was supposed to given the scale of it yeah. and it's yeah it's kind of one of those things where I am really eager for a Bethesda game. However, uh, is it going to be a smash on the level of a Fallout 4, of a Skyrim? You know, I don't Mm. know if it's going... Is it going to reach that in a world where we've had The Witcher 3 and we've had a bunch of these other games that have taken the sandbox approach of Bethesda's Mm. older titles and kind of made it more polished, made it just as big and as ambitious? One thing as well, I just... I was a bit... The actual world, the actual galaxy that they've designed, like considering if if you have carte blanche or Bethesda, it's your first new IP in I think 25 years. It's a long time. And you kind of just do, here's an ice planet. Here's <laughs> like a jungle planet. I just like, oh my God, lads. Like you do anything. Like Mass Effect Andromeda had the, the had that canvas as well. And the best thing they could do was floating rocks again. Yeah. Like I just, I, give me a new world. Like right. I don't, if I, I don't know, like I, I like the idea of the way that they're doing this where it's kind of a bit like Firefly. It's very industrial. There's a lot of like, um sort of, um, like I said, industrious looks to factories and the ship looks like it's little, literally cobbled together from all these big sort of like in like large moving parts. And you can yeah. do a lot of um, ship customization which is cool but I just like as a visual takeaway I wasn't like you know I couldn't pick it up from a lineup really right, um, and okay. it was one of those things where I was like okay I get what you're going for is because you're Bethesda you're kind of taking it back to the basics and you're doing your sort of like totemic sci-fi where it's kind of like Firefly it's kind of like Star Wars um, where it's it's identifiable as like borderline sci-fi baseline sci- uh, sci-fi and then they'll build on it from there and it has to feel like a world that makes sense it can't have like weird you know a planet made of entirely water or whatever it is but right. I'm still like I would have liked something like that. Something a bit uh, more yeah. unique. When they did like the little montage of uh, the biomes at the very end, I thought mm. that looked quite interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'm again, I kind of, I, I fully kind of agree with you in one sense that, you know, it's, it's stuff we've, almost seen before but on the other hand I do like the aesthetic that they're going for like yeah. I like that it's not an outer worlds kind of thing of, that's true we're gonna go all primary colors we're gonna go a little bit cartoonish this is like right we're gonna go uh, kind of somewhat vaguely inspired by you know older space age tech and we're gonna kind mm. of like do like a 2001 rather than doing aliens I mean, a lot, yeah 2001 is a great shout and interstellar as well yes. like uh, all the yeah. stuff that Chris Nolan like talked to NASA was like if you guys had the infinite funding what would you 
make, and they yeah. came up with those those Tarsa robots and everything. Like, um, yeah, like it's it's not that it didn't look promising. I just sort of it was just I don't know. I I need to like just just see what comes down the line with Bethesda because I'm just like I adored Skyrim and that was so long ago and it's just it's been a it's been a rocky road since then absolutely again to be like cautiously optimistic I always think that Bethesda games don't even look that good when you show them off in demo form anyway like when True. they started with the combat in this I kind of laughed because yeah. it's like who's here for the combat in a Bethesda <laughs> game like it looked as clunky as ever and that's fine because it's not like the main focus but yeah like I need to take a Bethesda game in totality for mm. me it doesn't work when you kind of split it up and say how good does this combat look? How good does it, this exploration look? Because it's all of those systems working together that That's makes true. them something uh, magical. It's more than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, all previous Bethesda games have been like that for me. So it's one of those where I'm like, you can sell me only so far with trailers. I just need to get my hands on it at the end of the yeah. game. And then I'll, then I'll know if it's something exceptional, if it's just... All right. I also like. I mean, the one thing that for me was a bit missing from it. I can give it the ship, ship customization. Was there was a new mechanic that looked cool um, in terms of the way it was like put together. Very Kerbal, very Kerbal space mm. program in terms of like dragging and dropping rockets and everything, um, and like making sure your ship can actually fly at the end of it. I look forward to being able to strap like twenty rockets to something and just like seeing if it just spins me out when I take off. But um, in terms of what you're doing, I feel like a lot of recognizable components were in there. Like the shooting was a bit Fallout Four. Um, obviously, the conversations are Bethesda One Hundred One. Like it feels like we know how this is going to play. Um, which is just like I feel like I'm pooping on everything, but I'm just like <laughs> your Starfield, your Bethesda. Like, where are the where are the new ideas? And I think that the reason that I'm not like, oh my god, I can't wait to play that is because right, I know how that's going to play. Like, I I can play that right now. It's No Man's Sky, or I can play another Bethesda game, and it's like that. Right. It's not that much of a step up, and it's not that what is there isn't worthwhile or like confidently presented it's just one of those things where you kind of you know overall in the gaming industry you kind of want the big leaders to be like this is how it's done guys this is an idea you couldn't even have thought of until we did it and it's like you look at this and you go well you, you did the obvious thing. <laughs> you did the thing that we knew you were going to do. I know what you mean. Um, it's it's difficult for me because I always I always get a bit iffy when you can say, well, you can play this because you can play No Man's Sky. And mm. that is true. But I can't play No Man's Sky like in a Bethesda <laughs> RPG. If you know with what characters. I mean. no, with no, no, characters, no. you know. So I kind of look at this and I'm like, yeah, you might be taking from other games and yeah, you might be able to play versions of this. But can I play this exact thing like mm-hmm. if i'm looking at what bethesda have done before these kind of boots on the ground for lack of a better term rpgs where you're kind of like quite rigid to suddenly blow that up to having a thousand planets in yeah. space travel and space combat like that is that to me is is definitely a big leap for them whether mm-hmm. it pays off i'm not sure uh, but i in that regard i wouldn't want to knock its ambition because it's it is that kind of thing of yes i can play a version of this in other games perhaps but can i play a version that is so ambitious that it tries to bring all of these different elements together into one package like that hasn't been done yet no that's true i think one thing that i'm i want to know more about as well which i think will be in some of their press releases but it didn't front load the uh, trailers is the world design itself like when skyrim was coming out we were getting hints of the stormcloaks and the imperials and then fallout was coming out it was like well this is where it's set in the timeline and we're going to show you the world just before the nukes go off and whatever with this it's like you're this explorer you can customize them um and you work for whatever that band of people are called that go out there and sort of please the galaxy but i need a little bit more like to that stuff um, but yeah, overall, Starfield, like a confident enough first showing, but I think the reception has been a little bit mixed because it didn't blow people away. Totally. Um, but it's hard for them to do that when the idea of what blows people away is something more like potentially a Sony exclusive or something like that or a first party game. Um, and that's just not what they're making. They're not making an uber polished Horizon style game. No. They're reaching way more than that. Um, and then seeing how much they can knit it together after that's uh, been done. Um, we should talk about Hideo Kojima jumping ship, even though uh, that dude was never exclusive in the first place um, as a lot of people are now finding out um, Kojima Productions was never um, licensed entirely to Sony he was always a third party dev and that signed on for Death Stranding and is now the case he's developing a um, a, well he's developing a cloud based game for Xbox um, which a lot of insiders have said is the episodic horror game that was cancelled for Google Stadia apparently he was making a cloud based game for Google Stadia um, and according to VGC it was um, it was cancelled when Google Stadia fell the F apart across the last few years Um, and it seems like Xbox have just gone well we've got a cloud do you want to put on there, we've got a lovely little cloud for you, and um, so I think Kojima's going to be doing that. I mean, this right, this was, it was of course, it's exciting to see Kojima, but it made me laugh because. <laughs> 
Xbox did the thing that PlayStation did in 2015 mm. at the end of that year after um, Metal Gear Solid came out and obviously there was the big fallout with Konami mm-hmm. and Kojima went and they got Konima, Konima, they got <laughs> Kojima on a stream and he was like, we're announcing this partnership, we're going to do a game together and then you didn't like see much else. No. Like Xbox has done that exact same thing here where they don't have a title, they have a genre, mm. but they have nothing else and it's like, guys, the reason that worked before is because there was so much momentum behind Kojima yes. splitting from Konami and doing his own thing and it's like who's he going to partner with mm-hmm. what's he going to do next now he's got his own studio and it's still exciting <laughs> to see him and it was a, a popper of a moment but it wasn't as big as I think they maybe thought it was because I no. would have liked at least you know a logo or something I would have liked something more than an announcement of a partnership and it yeah. was kind of like you, you tried to do what they did seven years ago but in a different context and it wasn't no, totally. as big of a hit you needed like a genre or a I mean they said cloud based game he said something I've never done before but I had this idea for a long time or something. I agree. There was a lot of a lot of like, oh my god, it's Kojima. That's really cool. I wonder what he's going to do. Um, but you capitalize on that by hitting it with something. You give it a name. You give it some project, whatever. Um, do something with that. Yeah, it was a bit of a sort of a wet fart after it got off the ground. Um, but still, it's cool seeing Kojima sort of get around a bit more. I like the idea that his mind can be applied to multiple systems. And let's see what he can do with a with a Series X or whatever. Totally. Um, and especially with cloud based stuff. Um, some other announcements. Um, that I lost my mind for was Persona Three, Four, and Five coming to Xbox. More so because Persona 3 and 4 will now be readily available on modern consoles. Yes. Persona 4, let me just spell it out, is one of the best RPGs of all time. And that thing has been trapped on the PlayStation 2 and the PS Vita until right now. Go on. Right, I'm going to jump in right now because that that might be true. I, I, I will do not doubt that there is people that there are so many people out there who love that So many people are nodding with me right now. Yeah, waiting for these games yeah. to come to modern consoles. Yeah. However, is it not a little bit disappointing that they, those have st- now been announced for PlayStation as well? Like, <laughs> like uh, yes, it was a big announcement at the Xbox showcase, but if we're talking purely like from analyzing an Xbox showcase yes, in terms yes. of its um, announcements and reveals and what it has for the future of Xbox, uh, it's just like, it, it's it's excellent, but it's it's, like, is it a win for Xbox specifically? I don't think so. Well, see, I, I it is, well, it, it, I think it is because Atlas for so long has been a PlayStation franchise, PlayStation right. associated uh, developer. Um, it was always that thing where if you wanted to play a Persona game, you had to get something PlayStation or even before then. Um, but still, like, no, that that made me go crazy because I was like, oh my God, they've actually done a deal. Oh my God, like they've actually talked to Atlas and managed to get these things across. I mean, it's like a 20 year deal in the making. Right. And so like, it is a big win, but I know what you mean. When you went online, immediately it was like, and they're also coming to PlayStation, so don't worry about it. Um, but at the same time, I think if you're a Persona fan, especially for Persona 4, um, you've just been going, why is this not available? Why is this game not available? Persona 4, like I said, it absolutely rocks. It's in perfect game. Um, just play it whenever it's available just play it so I think if you're a Persona fan for the last couple of uh, decades you've just wanted it to be available and it was kind of a win in that regard but right. I know what you mean if they were making a new Atlas RPG and it was Xbox exclusive that would have like broke the JRPG community in half yeah um, but I think it's just the fact that Xbox did this at all totally. was cool I actually feel a bit harsh trying to <laughs> throw water on that hype there uh, it, is a, it is a cool thing like you said I just my, my I was... a multi-platform announcement is not as big as like a that was thing. it. I was just kind of, I guess, trying to pivot into the idea that afterwards, after this conference ended and I was reading online, mm. and there was just so many of the games that were like, oh, yeah, this is actually also coming to PlayStation. And it's like, that's to be expected. Yeah, but, uh, it's yeah. almost like they try to hide it more than other years this time mm. around. In fact, I was reading this morning that there might have even been like an embargo uh, on some of the games that they couldn't announce that really? they were going to PlayStation for like a couple of days afterwards. And I was like, that stuff's kind of lame. <laughs> that's that's, that's of- interesting, though, because Sony do those, let's call them dirty tactics all the time. Yeah, right, they, yeah. Um, um, you know, like I mean, different companies will pay to get their box arts on TV adverts or whatever it is. And Sony love a timed exclusive, True. like more more than the next man. Um, and so I kind of some of it's kind of fun with Xbox going. Well, we can do this too. We mm. can pretend that the long-awaited return of Persona Four is on Xbox. And if we get that trending, then that's a whole thing. Um, it's immediately undercut by the official account saying, "Don't worry, legacy fans, it's coming to your system too." Yeah. Um, but I see what they're doing. I think that stuff's kind of interesting in regards to, like I said, the way that Sony have done business uh, for so long. Um, but yeah, Persona um, series, it's Persona 3 Portable, I think, is the um, the remastered-ish version of that game. Persona 4, Persona 5 Royal. Um, it's Persona 4 Golden, which is the Vita re-release. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter, Josh, but Persona 4 <laughs> is coming. It's a good time. Um, Diablo 4 also got a massive gameplay demo, which I was like, and, and Overwatch 2 was there as well. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, <laughs> someone at Blizzard, they've got to try and do something. I right. was just like, I, Overwatch 2, I was amazed that thing's still alive. Me too, man. Um, I was just like, yeah, sure, do more Overwatch, I guess. Um, Diablo looks promising enough. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, sure. I was surprised at how much I uh, liked the look of Diablo mm. 4. I like the kind of uh, gothier aesthetic that they're going for. I didn't know it was Rod Ferguson who no, was doing it. No, it's just it. his left gears of war. I didn't even know he left the initiative. I must no. have missed that news. Uh, now he's heading up uh, this Diablo game. I was yeah, like, that is a, that's a strange move, but I mean, it looks like it might have paid off. I mm. definitely am interested in that game in a way I never was before. Uh, but yeah, Overwatch 2, I was just thinking... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Overwatch had the weirdest trajectory because I remember like 2016 it dominated. I remember when uh, me and Jules went to EGX and it was everywhere. Yeah. Like it was just like, oh my god, this thing is like the second coming of like a media empire. Like it felt huge, and it was like I said, it was everywhere. And then they started adding DLC characters, and some of them were fun and whatever. But I feel like everybody dropped off when the DLC characters came in in terms of the mainstream pull. Mm. Like it still maintained a fan base, and it still does have a fan base. But it just feels like that initial wave of oh my god, like Pokemon Go levels of oh my god went away when they started trying to add to it. It was just this weird thing where people were like, well, I can't keep up with this. I can't keep up with all these balance changes yeah. and all these different characters and everything. And so I kind of wonder if Overwatch 2 manages to re um, reignite that. I don't think it will. I think they'd be better off keeping it as Overwatch the platform and making a big deal about we're adding to this. Right. Because um, otherwise it's going to be a Destiny 2 situation where there's no point, no reason that game has a number after it. It's just Destiny. It's what everyone calls it. Anyway, um, but yeah, Diablo 4, um, very strong showing. That game's obviously been talked about for a long time. Um, but the most that's the most gameplay they've shown off for it. And um, we also got another trailer for Hollow Knight Silk Song. Yeah, confirming boy. it's real, but not giving you a release date. Not giving you Yet a release again. date. That is uh I mean, I've only been a Hollow Knight fan for like a year now. <laughs> and even that's been too much for me to endure. The Silk Song, are yeah. they going to release it? Are they not going to release it? Um dance. Mm-hmm. But it was nice to see it. I like that they they started the show with it, right? I like think so, was, yeah. It was, it was like really, an oh my god thing. Yeah, really early on. It was like, okay, it's here. The gameplay looked good. Give me it, please, at some point. I think it's coming to Game Pass. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, I think pretty much everything they showed is yes. uh, nigh on coming to Game Pass. I wonder, because we're recording this on the like the morning of the second Xbox show, they show it again because they said tonight's stream is extended gameplay stuff. And then they say, and it's available right now. Oh, <laughs> right now. It looked completely be... finished in the, in oh, the trailer. That would blow my head off. <laughs> One of the best things about this conference, which I thought was really good, by mm. the way, like I really enjoyed the uh, Microsoft and Bethesda conference, mm-hmm. was the fact that they were announcing and confirming games for the next 12 months. And it was such a big win for Game Pass because like everything or most of it was coming to Game Pass day one and it just gave me so many games to look forward to both big and small or even if like they're expansions or whatever Mm -hmm. there was so much in there where I just thought like okay my calendar is getting full I will play that if you give me Mm -hmm. the chance in some smaller games where I might not have bought it full price but because it's coming to Game Pass day one hell yeah I'm going to jump in and try it oh definitely I mean that's the thing like obviously they have their marketing sewn up in regards to like the world premiere which they didn't have that guy's voice but they had world premieres um, and they also have the Game Pass stuff. It's just a lot of, like, you get what the Xbox ecosystem is. Um, I think they are more on more solid ground. They have a big gap where their exclusives are concerned, even though Starfield is starting to fill it. Um, but if you cro- if you go across to where Sony are, like, they're about to launch the PlayStation Premium stuff. They're kind of chasing Game Pass. They're trying to become a contender um, in that space. I feel like Xbox know exactly what they are. Um, and they sort of go, here's everything that we've managed to lock down. You're yeah. already, you've already owned all of it if you pay the Game Pass anyway. Just look forward to games that are coming up. Totally. Like, you don't have to worry about the money side of it at all as long as you can afford Game Pass, which is a hell of a thing. I thought it was good that, you know, this first half of the year for Game Pass has been quite sparse and mm. everyone's been like, well, why do I, why yeah. should I keep my, um, you know, subscription going? I think Mr. James Dow swapped his out. Huh? He did, he yeah. did. And for me, this was kind of uh, a boost of confidence to be like, no, keep this, um, keep keep Game Pass mm. because we have stuff coming every month. And it's like I said, big and small, but it's all interesting. It's all probably worth jumping into. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's what I needed uh, because I'm fine with Game Pass being a backwards compatibility machine, <laughs> but it is fun now to, like I said, fill the calendar out with things that I at least want to try. Yeah, it, it continues to be the weirdest generation so far in <laughs> yeah. terms of uh, new releases and, and old releases all sort of combining. Um, let's end on the Capcom stream. Um, very much a Resident Evil stream. There was some Monster Hunter stuff in there. There was some Exo Primal stuff in there, but just F that game, man. It's not. <laughs> it's pretending to be Dino Crisis, getting a, a Regina-looking skin in there, and it's not. I'm sure it'll play very well, but whatever. Um, we'll talk about the Resident Evil stuff. Um, Capcom announced Resident Evil 2, 3, and 7 upscales, 4K, 60, with ray tracing on modern consoles. Um, Resident Evil Village got some DLC, Shadows of Rose, um, which I wonder if that is going to do, that story will just be DLC now, the way that Resident Evil 8 
ends. Yes. And then whenever Resident Evil 9 comes out, it won't be Rose as the main character. It'll be a whole other thing again. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing so. I mean, one of the big questions finishing Resident Evil 8 was whether the post credit scene with Rose was going to be its own game, mm-hmm. whether it was going to be DLC, and now it seems to confirm to, to be DLC. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fascinating to me that they're pivoting quite hard into third-person stuff. Yes. Uh, which I know that you obviously are a big fan of. And third-person, I'm third-person. I'm interested to yeah. go through it in, uh, in, in the first-person mode that they have announced. But at the same time, I like that they had both. Mm. I like that the remakes were third-person, you know, more classical Resident Evil gameplay. Mm-hmm. But I like that the mainline series kept to first-person. It differentiated them for me, yes. so we weren't having a similar game over and over again. That said, will I play this again in third-person? Yes. <laughs> will I play the expansion? Yes. Am I looking forward to it? Yes. I think I am curious with any game that is primarily first person and you go, oh, there's a third person mode, like what Bethesda do, where it just feels like it's not really made for third person. Like it doesn't have the animation priority or the, or the weight behind the character that something like A Last of Us does or whatever. Um, and I, I'm curious how this feels um, because they've had so much um, experience doing third person like modes in the RE2 and the RE3 remakes and what will be the RE4 remake. And I hope that's what they've brought into Village. I hope it's not just we detach the camera and put it behind a character model. No, I think you've made a good point there just establishing that that it's all in the RE engine anyway yeah. they already have the tools from the Resident Evil 4 remake or the 2 remake or whatever to make a good third person thing mm-hmm. I think I mean you, you would assume I don't know anything I about game so. development but because <laughs> it's all in the same engine by similar teams that they would be able to migrate mm-hmm. the code over and make it a true authentic third person experience rather than like you say just kind of zooming mm-hmm. the camera out and having it to be a little bit clunky it's funny compared to something like The Evil Within 2, which started third person and then got a patch to so you could play it yeah, in first person. Yeah. I like this idea that you could just have these horror games um, in whatever perspective you want mm-hmm. eventually. like That to me is exciting for people like us who kind of differentiate or, or are different. Having when, a preference. Yeah, yeah, having different preferences when it comes to perspectives. Uh, I like that, you, that they just go, well, you can have both and then decide <laughs> um, later on. And both are good. Yeah. That's the whole thing with um, the RE4 remake, which got a little bit more gameplay in the Capcom stream um, versus the old state of play stuff, um, showing off Leon's character model a little bit more, getting a little bit more dialogue in there, and saying that the Ganados have been completely re. Is it? No, it's not. Is it the Ganados? Yeah, Ganados. Yeah, Los Ganados. Um, the enemies um, have all been um, reimagined, I guess, to sort of make them more gr- grotesque or whatever they've been doing with those um, the mutations and everything. Of the Las Plagas, um, that stuff looked cool, but in regards to perspective, you can play that in VR, which I know they've already said. Yes. That's another thing where they're sort of developing it for both. Like, they're developing it in third-person standard, and then you'll be able to do first-person as well. Um, it is weird that the future of Resident Evil is kind of both. Um, like they sort of experimented with first person stuff they reckon they'd always had this idea for Resident Evil 7 being first person and then 8 and then the remakes I feel like the response to the remakes was this feels like Resident Evil Yeah, um, and it's yeah, not that the yeah. first person stuff wasn't stellar but I just feel like that was a nice kind of return to that stuff because RE4 was such a big deal and so now they've kind of gone well we'll just keep doing both and mm-hmm. we'll just see what, uh, what people um, gravitate towards I'll be playing everything in third of course I, you will I want the third person third I will play everything better. in first person just because I think it's more immersive <laughs> and, and scarier perhaps but yeah I think it's uh, again and it's like testament to how versatile that mm. RE engine seems. I think it's telling that the new Street Fighter is made on that. Obviously, mm. the last Devil May Cry was made oh. on the RE engine as well. It's a beautiful engine. It seems to accommodate a bunch of different styles, unlike the Frostbite engine, <laughs> which does one thing good, and then EA was like, make FIFA on this. And yeah. people were like, this does not make, make effect any on this. sense. This engine seems to make way more sense mm-hmm. than uh, that. So the mandate to have more games across different franchises operate on it, to me, is a good thing. Yes, I love it. I Yeah, this was... I was saying to you when I first came in this morning, it's a great time for games right now. Yes. Like, a ton of different announcements and stuff, um, and a lot of different things to play for the rest of the year. So just bask in it. There's a lot of great stuff right now. Um, and we'll be doing... I think we're going to do our games of the year so far on the main podcast, which will be going out tomorrow, uh, Wednesday. And then we'll just see whatever happens from the um, the rest of the Xbox stream stuff. We've got the uh, Square Enix stuff and the Final Fantasy stuff. Um, and it's just a it's a big old summer of games. It's so, good, man. I mean, we've got uh, Forza Horizon uh, Hot Wheels DLC <laughs> coming out soon, which I will play. Play Hot Wheels Unleashed, Josh. I'm not going to play it's that. It's one of the games of... Last year? last year? When did that come out? I don't know. Last year, I think. I it think was. it was last year. Times a horrible flat. I circle. might play a Fallout seventy six, the pit instead. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> you've made me a pit, but in that <laughs> regard, this has been the wind up. I've been Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you, and we'll catch you next week. Bye bye. Bye. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. 
here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.